Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Titus. Today is episode 693, and we're looking at Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Let's read the passage. Remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out his Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone. This is Paul's letter to Titus. Paul's in Corinth, and he's writing this letter to Titus. He's left Titus in Crete to deal with the stuff that still needs to be done to appoint elders in every town. So there's new churches that have been planted, new people that have come to Christ, and Paul has left Titus to give them a foundation. One of those foundations is solid leadership in the churches. So the first thing to deal with is appointing elders in all the churches, solid elders who are going to provide solid spiritual leadership. He's been giving a series of things for Titus to do to teach these things, to worry about the false teachers that seem to be running amok, and to teach the people to live respectable lives, to live biblical lives, to live as followers of Christ. Now he's continuing that admonition here as he starts into chapter 3. He says, remind them to submit to rulers and authorities. Well, who is he talking to? He's talking to Titus to remind the people of the churches. So remind the Christians to submit to rulers and authorities. Now, is he talking about rulers and authorities within the church? No, he's talking about rulers and authorities of the government. So be in submission to the government, to obey, to be ready for every good work. Then continues in verse 2, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. So verse 1 primarily is dealing with relationship with the government. To be in submission, to obey, and that would be things like submit to the authority of the government, obey the laws, and pay your taxes. That would be the basis of or the relationship with the government. Then verse 2 is clearly not government anymore, but dealing with just people, and specifically non-believers. He's not talking about dealing with people in the church. He's talking about people in the world, people in the society, people in the town. To slander no one, to avoid fighting, to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. So treat people well. Treat people with dignity, with kindness, with gentleness. Now, there's this phrase at the end of verse 1, to be ready for every good work. 
Was that relating to the government or relating to the people? I think it's transitional. It's really both. It's to be ready for every good work, whether that is in relationship with the government or in relationship to dealing with people, specifically dealing with non-Christians. It's verse 3. He says, For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. Well, that's his description of unbelievers. And says that we used to be like that too. Now, the specifics here, they're just generic descriptions of evil people, people who don't know Christ, people who are far from God, people who have no guidance from above in how they live. And he begins with, for we too were once like that. So he's saying how to deal with unbelievers in verse 2. Be kind to them. Be gentle with them. Don't get into fights with them. And remember, you used to be like they did. All Christians were once non-Christians. And dealing with non-Christians in these kinds of ways sometimes can be difficult to not slander, to avoid fighting, to be kind, always showing gentleness. Because a lot of people, it's very hard to deal with them that way. And it says, okay, remember, it used to be like that too. Now, in Titus's context, almost all believers came to Christ as an adult. And so you had a fairly significant transformation from the society of the culture to the society of the church, of being a follower of Christ. For us, so many who are believers grew up in Christian homes. Even if parents weren't devout followers of Christ, there was still a sense of the Christian ethic at work in the home, in the town, in the society. So we don't see this tremendous transformation that's required when coming to Christ. Now, as the world, as the society drifts further and further from that Christian ethic, we will get closer and closer to the same context that that Titus is in here, that there's going to be a tremendous difference between the culture of Christianity and the culture of the society. And while many people bemoan that, I think that's been a problem for the church because people within the church didn't really look much different than people outside the church. And because of that, many people who were within the church, and I use that in quotes, really weren't believers. Significant number of people who were even leaders in churches weren't really believers. And so as you do get this shift in the society, you have to be very different from society in order to be a believer, in order to be a Christian. Or it used to be part of being respectable in society involved being part of a church. Now, being part of a church makes you more and more weird from society's perspective. And that's actually a good thing for the church. But remember, when you're dealing with unbelievers, you used to be an unbeliever. With the contrast, verse 4, But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So, the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared. When did it appear? I think there's a kind of a dual meaning to this. Appeared when Christ appeared. 
but also appeared to us individually when we came to faith. So I think he's speaking here of when Christ appeared and brought salvation, made it available, but then it really wasn't made effective until we individually came to Christ. That's when he saved us. And not by anything we did, not by our works of righteousness, but according to his mercy. And he adds through the washing of regeneration renewal by the Holy Spirit. This is just speaking to transformation as, as a work of the Holy Spirit. He continues that language in verse 6. He poured out his Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. So justified by his grace. Remember, justified by faith was the theme of the book of Romans. So we're justified through his mercy, justified by his grace, justified by faith. Justified means made righteous. So it wasn't through anything we had done. There are no righteous works we did to become justified, made righteous. But justified is an act of God. And may become heirs. This speaks to the adoption. When God saves us, justifies us, he also adopts us as his children. Now we become heirs with the hope of eternal life. Now, beginning of verse 8, he says, This saying is trustworthy. That's where he's got this five times in the first and second Timothy and Titus. This saying is trustworthy. What is the saying that is trustworthy? Well, there's a lot of debate over that. Now, everybody agrees it's what comes before it. The question is, how much before it? Some people say it's verses 3 through 7. That's the saying that is trustworthy. Others say, no, it's 4 through 7. That's the saying that's trustworthy. Others say, no, it's 5 through 7. Others say it's 5b through 7. And it's hard to say. And you can make really good arguments for any of those. And so it's not definitive there. But everybody agrees it's what comes before. And that's the saying that's trustworthy. And so what's he talking about here? The saying is trustworthy and true. He's talking about being saved by grace, the grace of God through the work of the Holy Spirit. And there's some thought of this has something to do with baptism. In that with the talking of washing of regeneration, pouring of the Holy Spirit, and the use of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all together here. It was some of this part of a saying that was generally said at baptisms, speaking of washing of regeneration in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Maybe. We don't know. We don't have any records that would indicate that. But just the language itself. Some people are very intrigued by that and say, you know, that really sounds like a, a baptismal formula of people coming to Christ, declaring repentance and experiencing the, the Holy Spirit and regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So this saying is trustworthy. And we say, okay, that's the gospel nugget. Whenever Paul says this saying is trustworthy, it's a gospel nugget. Write that down on a three by five card and carry it in your pocket. Only trouble here is we're not sure how much of this to write down, but it's all a big gospel nugget. Continues to verse 8. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God 
might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone. So insist on what things. Insist that they're in submission to the government and act decent to unbelievers. Treat unbelievers well. That's what he's to insist on. What believers are supposed to do is devote themselves to good works. He says these are good and profitable for everyone. So when believers do what is good, the benefits spread to all people throughout society, not just those in the church. Now he's speaking here of relationships outside the church. So often it's one another. Love the Lord and love one another. And, and that is absolutely true. But here, what he's really hammering with Titus is a relationship with society outside the church, beyond the walls of the church, how we deal with the world around us. And the theme here, when we do this, it's good for society. Now, the question would be, why? Well, I think it's twofold. One is people would come to Christ when they see authentic Christianity, but also it is good for society. It makes society better. And it's not so that we can get along with the people in society and live nice, quiet, happy lives. It's that we would influence society. Influence it for the good. Influence it to be better. And that people would see authentic Christianity lived out and be attracted to Christ. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Titus.